Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head, challenged by their thoughts, the voice in their head, and their beliefs. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Ad Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the newly released book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift, Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at addvalue2life.com slash shift. Our guest today, Stephanie McPhail and her husband, David Sharon. Stephanie, having broken her own cycle of toxic relationships, is the author of number one new releases in codependency, Being Loved Shouldn't Hurt, the book and workbook. Together, Stephanie and David form a husband and wife professional coaching team who have created their dream relationship and life after breaking the habits that kept them trapped in the unhealthy patterns of the past. Using sound knowledge and advice combined with cutting-edge mindset changes, they specialize in helping women break the cycle of toxic relationships and self-sabotage and begin to create their best lives. Stephanie McPhail Sharon and her husband David share relationship wisdom, business building through their Facebook group and targeted ads, and together they want to end the world of toxic relationships. Stephanie and David, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to a great conversation, learning about your business, your journey, and of course, uh, your work together as a couple. Our pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're excited. All right. Well, so I guess typically I start off with just asking, how, how did you make the jump into entrepreneurship and you know, wh what are you currently doing? Well, um, I have been wanting to be an entrepreneur for a while. And actually, when we got to, when we first got together, one of the things that we were both really excited about is that we both had this vision for becoming entrepreneurs. Uh, but we were both working a regular day job. I had been in education for, at that point, 16 years or so. Um, and anyone that I would talk to about leaving a New York teacher's salary thought I was absolutely insane. So I had to really get a lot of get a lot of new knowledge because I had no idea anything about entrepreneurship. I just thought that I could share my message and that a whole bunch of people would just be there to listen. And I learned that that was not at all the case. So we had to learn a lot of marketing and things like that. Um, but I think for, for me, the biggest thing was the calling for it. You know, mm -hmm. I realized that I had a message that was begging for me to share and I had to do it justice by learning what I had to, to get the message out. Mm, so good. Love, love when people can find their passion and, and align it with their work. Mm, yeah, we're lucky. We're lucky that we get paid for what we do. I mean, that's really mm -hmm. what it is. And, and between the two of us, I mean, you know, David, we always say David is a little bit more. He's like, he's the, um, the operations guy, you know, and he's a little bit more of the spiritual side. And then I'm a little bit more the grounded one, but I'm a little bit more in the public eye. So it's just, it's a great combination, you know, using both of our the good things that we both have to be able to offer that to clients. <laughs> nice. So what's one of the biggest challenges or what are some of the biggest challenges of working together? Well, I, I would say, um, luckily, again, we had uh, early on a lot of similarities in terms of our desire to not only be self-sufficient in our own business, 
but also to serve others on a broader scale by sharing our own hard-won lessons. So that piece of it, uh, in terms of working together on this business, uh, was out of the way pretty easy. Uh, the challenges, like Stephanie said, came with understanding uh, how to go from being coaches to coaching business owners and all of the, uh, the challenges and nuances to that. Um, I would have to say probably the biggest challenge from my perspective in terms of doing this is that now that we are completely self-sufficient, there is no steady paycheck. There are no paid days off. So, you know, there's the constant uh, pressure of, of knowing that if this is going to you know, sink or swim, it's entirely up to us. And now that uh, we I mean, it, it is a benefit really for us to be able to do our business from anywhere with an Internet connection. So we're home based now. That being said, we have two young children, a three-year-old and a six-year-old, and uh, no nanny or really nearby family to support us in helping take care of them while we're trying to do work. So I think probably one of the biggest challenges is being able to uh, just manage that, just balance, making sure that we're doing our utmost uh, to learn and, and practice being good parents while also being diligent and focused in terms of the day-to-day -day business operations. And I'm going to just add to that too. I think that this is something that's made us even closer as a couple is that communication is has always been important, but that much more so when you are in a business type of situation. And especially I think coming in, this was my business idea. And so it started off as my baby. And then, you know, I invited David in for his knowledge and we, you know, we just are even better together. But I think sometimes when somebody else is coming in to your baby, to your idea, Sometimes it can be a little bit difficult and sometimes there's differences of opinions that you really have to be open to listening to each other and see like what's a different perspective, where are you coming from? Because sometimes too, we're so close to our business, it's hard to get that big view of where maybe you should shift or make changes or whatever. So, you know, I was just saying this morning to David, I said, you know, I couldn't imagine anyone I would rather work with and rather have differences of opinions that we work through together than getting to do that with my spouse. Mm. So good. Well, I definitely understand. <laughs> I think another big part of this is sort of, and, and again, Stephanie described this as being her baby. I've been an entrepreneur for, for years, not to the level that I've been able to now, um, but I, I've had my own pursuits. And one of the things that I recognize is that to an extent, you need to set your own ego aside and, and really be sort of brutally self-honest and identify what your strengths and weaknesses are so you understand where to best put your energy and what tasks in the in the business for example that you need to delegate to to others so it hasn't been without its challenges there's no question about that but when we are able to come together as we have to focus on a shared vision and be open to uh, other viewpoints, you know, primarily each other's, it becomes more clear where our efforts are best placed. We can kind of relax a little bit. There's less of a need to control everything. Uh, and, and not only does that generally, I think, result in less chronic stress as we're going through the process of building and maintaining this business, but it also opens us up to uh, other viewpoints, other opportunities to grow beyond what we might have originally envisioned. Hmm. Absolutely. There's a couple things in there that I, I definitely appreciate. First of all, the the challenge of it being your baby. So I jumped first. My wife and I co-founded our company, but I jumped first and she she kept her job. And and so there was 
And of course, at the time I was building the business face-to-face, networking face-to-face, you know, finding all of our clients through face-to-face interaction. Mm-hmm. And, and, and of course, you know, with her working in a different, you know, in an office space, we didn't have a lot of, I didn't communicate as much as I should have about what's really happening. How's the business working? What's, what does the business model even look like? Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, with COVID now we're both working at home and, and we're doing everything online. We've created this virtual business, which was a whole big, you know, huge transition. And, and I realized how much I was keeping in my head. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and not, not intentionally, but I had no idea how to communicate with her about how these things were all working together for the sake of the business and, you know, building a list and, and, and creating a, a virtual uh, audience, so to speak, so that, you know, people start to see our content, know, like, and trust us and all the things that we're able to do in person, transitioning that to electronic. And then, and then of course, trying to, trying to bring her in and, and not have her just be my virtual assistant. Cause I know that was never the intention, right? I, she's a full partner. We're, we're both, you know, full partners in this, but because of that separation, it, it created a challenge for us in that way. I can understand that. I mean, even in the, in the beginning of, of the business, when it was, you know, I was the one mostly working on it. It was, you know, I was going to events and he was staying home with the kids so that I could go run around and talk to people. And it was like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. It was always super supportive. So that I was, I was lucky for, um, but it was like, what are you doing now? Oh, okay. Or, you know? And so it was, it was always that. And then when he did come on board, you know, there was a lot of things that he didn't know that I was doing. And we kind of joke because, you know, he was already doing, he does something called psych K, which is a high speed subconscious mindset shift. And, you know, at first when I was doing it, he's like, this is a lot, you know, maybe you can just send me clients. And I was like, oh, it is way more work than just me sending you clients. And so once he got in, he was like, oh yeah, this is, this is way bigger than I thought. I'm like, but I was in the same boat. You know, you, you have this vision, you have this idea. You're like, I know I can help people. I know that I can make people's lives better. Let me just give them the information and it's going to be great. But it was so much more than that. So you get this idea and then you have to learn all the stuff behind letting people get to know the idea that you have. Absolutely. There's, there's so much challenge. So what, what worked for you to, to build an audience, to, to create a following, to, to put your, your content out there in a way that allowed people to know, like, and trust you? Well, we, um, so I, I tried a bunch of different things to start and we were, I mean, the first few years we were, there was no way I was going to be able to quit my day job. I just, we weren't making any money. I was basically giving away my coaching for free. Um, and I was still like, why doesn't anybody, nobody has any money. I don't understand what's going on. And I found, um, I actually got a coach who told me to, um, go out and network more. So I was like, all right, so I'm doing all these networks and whatever. And I found another coach who did something similarly to what I did and her and I connected right away. We're now friends ever since. And she's like, Hey, my coaches, you should check them out. And so I said, okay. So I checked out these guys and I was like, Oh my gosh, these coaches are amazing. They're, they're really teaching all the things that I, I need to know. And so that was pretty much when David came on, he, he saw what they were saying and he was like, wow, this is awesome. And I followed what they said. And the very first day, I think I closed almost $10,000. Nice. And so he was like, oh, okay. His day was like, my ears are perked, you know? And I'm like, so I, 
I uh, paid for these coaches. And really, ever since I had the right mentorship, because again, my background was education. I knew nothing about business ownership or anything like that. And I followed their steps of having, I already had a Facebook group. You know, that was what I wanted. I just didn't know how to properly position it. I didn't know how to properly position what I was doing. I had too many balls up in the air trying to do too many things. And once I really dialed everything back and really just focused on the Facebook group and really having the proper messaging, that's when everything really started to shift. Nice. Yeah. In short, it's the Facebook group that's become the hub for our audience for our marketing. Yeah. Uh, in terms of building that audience, that know, like, and trust factor, it's been an ideal platform. Obviously, you know, Facebook as a platform being ad supported, it's free for us to create a group. And with the type of work that we do, never mind the challenges that COVID presents in terms of not being able to, to meet people face to face, it really was an ideal opportunity for us to build a community, to get our message out there, to connect. Uh, and, and of course, social media is pretty much making the world go round, it seems these days. So yeah, it, it all boils down to the Facebook group. By the time we found our coaches who would help facilitate the success we have now, Stephanie already had a membership of about probably about 4,000 members in this group. Mm -hmm. Again, wow. working tirelessly to share of her own hard won lessons in terms of breaking the cycle of unhealthy relationships and helping people heal and grow and, and begin to create their best version of themselves and their best lives like we've been able. But again, it wasn't until we got coaching and mentorship mm -hmm. to really focus on this as a business that we learned how to uh, be more strategic in terms of our content, uh, how to really get that no like and trust factor, get people through our, our sales process to sort of indoctrinate them to our methods and uh, and really monetize it. So in, in short, it's it's been Facebook groups that's been the key to our success. And um, Stephanie had already had some notoriety having been a published author even prior to that point. Uh, but now we have um, a, a Facebook group of over 15,000 members worldwide. It's one of the most active and engaged groups on the internet in terms of learning the, the tools and strategies to break out of those unhealthy patterns and begin to create a better life, so. Wow, and, and so what, what have you done or in the Cliff Note version to, to attract people to the group. Obviously at a certain point, the group takes on a life of its own and, and people are just inviting friends. Um, but engagement obviously is a, is a challenge early on with a Facebook group typically. Well, and I'll let David answer this because it's kind of more his thing. But in the beginning, it was purely word of mouth. It was purely Facebook algorithms. I would be amazed at how many people were coming in every day. I was like, wow, this is this is really cool. How many people are really getting interested? I remember hitting the four and the 5,000. I was like, this is exciting. And now we're close to 16,000. Um, but we made a shift. And one of the shifts we had to do was learning how to write ads. And I'll let David speak on this one because that's been a big um, needle mover for us is getting the right targeted ads to the right audience, a big learning curve for us, but so important in, in the ability for us to really get the right people in our group. Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple from my perspective. The end result is that we want consistent clients. We, we didn't set out to be business owners. We wanted to be clients. We wanted to be able to be self-sufficient, financially independent while being able to serve people at a deep level. So simply put, it was about learning how to uh, install systems and processes to help us acquire clients consistently. 
while the group initially grew fairly large simply by organic means, mm -hmm. people finding us, people being invited, like you said, to the group, we realized that we needed to implement a strategy to get consistent group growth and essentially following the strategies that we learned from our coaches, it was a matter of paid Facebook advertising. Our group is a private Facebook group. Uh, it's not open to the public, but it is free. And again, we have strategies in terms of how we deliver content and so forth within the group. But uh, in a nutshell, it was about learning how to place effective ads with Facebook to drive the group growth and then, um, you know, implementing the other strategies from there. Nice. And now, obviously, so the Facebook group is is really your your top funnel. Yeah, essentially. Yep. And so then your your regular interaction, you create opportunities for people to participate in a workshop or, or a program or eventually hire you directly as a, as a, as a coach or a group program? Yeah, we, we've made some shifts. Um, we used to do a live um, training webinar every Thursday. We called it the Thursday Night Lives. Um, and they were anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. We, we, I was doing them and then David and I were doing them. We went back to me doing them by myself. Um, and there just seems to be a little bit something off with the, again, Facebook algorithms, You the, the whim of Facebook, you never know what they're going to decide that day. Um, but things started to shift in the viewership. And so where we were getting 60 plus people on, you know, watching the webinars, suddenly we were getting down to 20 or 30, even with uh, text reminders and all that kind of stuff. And so we decided this year to make a shift and go from the longer webinars to shorter webinars twice a week. We're, we might even increase that, um, but we're just kind of testing things out right now. So shorter um, little webinars so that people can watch on their lunch break or you know, while they're walking down the street or whatever. Um, and what we're also working on implementing is a, um, a funnel for a webinar. So it'll, it will not be related to Facebook because we don't want 100% put all of our eggs in one basket. Um, so we're, we're working on really refining a selling webinar um, that will get them directly interested in booking with us. And so that's really kind of been our focus right now. And since today's Thursday, we're actually doing that tonight um, to be able to get that really perfected because having the right webinar can be a game changer. Absolutely. I mean, any anything that can be top of funnel that attracts, you know, the right the right audience and, and of course attracting your ideal client and obviously your niche has kind of been inspired by your book by by your experience um would you want to share that that story that that journey sure well you know i re when i was a kid i wanted to be a uh, public speaker i and people said you know you should be a teacher and I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I saw Wayne Dyer and I was like, wow, he's a motivational speaker. That's, that's so awesome. And interestingly enough, the universe decided to give me exactly what I wanted, but it wasn't the way I thought I was going to get it. Um, and so basically from 19 until 34, I was in really, really terrible relationships. And not one, I went from one to the next unhealthy relationship and just couldn't figure out what was wrong with me as someone who was successful everywhere else in my life. I just couldn't find a way to be successful when it came to relationships. And when I finally ended my first marriage, who was verbally and physically abusive, um, I, I went on a quest to really just like figure out what I had done wrong because I was the common denominator in all of those relationships. 
there was something in me that was attracting these types of unhealthy people and then trying everything in my power to make those relationships work. And so I had to figure out what was going on. And so I created a team. I hired a coach. I had a therapist. I, I changed who I was friends with to be more inspiring, more supportive. And I did a really big shift and learned what I needed to learn to be completely happy on my own. You know, it was like one of those things where I was like, you know, before and, and, you know, as a female, and I don't know if it's the same for guys, you guys can tell me, but you know, it's really like, you're not as good if you don't have a relationship, there's something wrong with you, you know? And so I really felt like there was something wrong with me, but going through the, what I needed to, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm really comfortable being by myself. I think I could be single for the rest of my life. And so when I met my now husband, it's actually kind of always the funny story is that I knew really in my mind who I wanted in a relationship, if I was ever going to have one. And I had this very clear, like step by step, like, all right, he's got to be, I know, six foot three, he's got to be a musician, he's got to be all these things. And when I finally added that he could be bald, and if anyone's just listening and they're not watching, this one's bald. <laughs> so I added that to my list. And this great guy appeared, but I was so happy being single that I was like, you know what? I might break up with him because I just, I'm, I had never had someone that was, didn't take away my joy. Mm -hmm. So I was worried that even though this guy seemed really great, he was going to take away my dream of all these different things I wanted to do for myself. So I really allowed him to show me who he was. We became best friends and you know, we've been married for almost seven years and have two beautiful children together. So it's such, it's, to my biggest message is to let other people know, you know, those successful women who are just the achievers, the, the doers, the go-getters, remind them that they too can have a healthy relationship, no matter how long that's been toxic, no matter what they've done before, we can help them to, to, to be where they want to be. So good. Well, and obviously the, the first step is, is taking responsibility for yourself and, yeah. and owning owning yourself there's so much power in that step alone mm -hmm. and i love that you you recognized all right these toxic relationships just keep happening it's i'm the common denominator and yeah. so i need to do something about it um so few people make that recognition um yeah. they they know that they're miserable they're telling the world that they're miserable but typically they're a victim and and it's it's everybody else's fault yeah. And then, you know, and then sometimes people get stuck with, well, you know, it wasn't my fault. You're, you're victim blaming. And I said, well, no, that's not what it is at all. I'm never saying, I never thought that anything that happened to me was my fault, mm. but I kept staying and trying to make things work. When I saw that things were not good in the relationship, I didn't have, I, I, I had confidence, but I didn't have self-esteem. And there is a difference, you know, there is a difference. I could walk into a room and talk to anybody. I'm an extrovert. I always have been. But when I didn't feel like I deserved someone who was a good person who treated me well, if you don't fix that part that subconsciously believes that, you're going to keep attracting the same types of people. So it's not about placing blame. It's, a, it's about empowering ourselves to take responsibility and realize if we learned unhealthy patterns in the past, that means we can learn healthy patterns now. We just need the right tools and support. Absolutely. And and I typically help clients change their story, right? Especially if, if they've been, you know, 
whatever their history, right? The, the story we tell ourselves is so important. That does not take away abuse. It does not take away trauma. Um, those things, those things are that event still occurred, mm-hmm. right? But but the story we tell ourselves about that and and how we respond to that is is so important. And if you're going to continue to be a victim, you're going to continue to attract toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't justify the person <laughs> committing these terrible atrocities to women and and treating them poorly, whether verbally, physically, or or any other way. That there's no justification for that. But for those people that are stuck in those situations, typically they don't have boundaries. They don't mm-hmm. have, they don't understand that they can, they can have a boundary. And when somebody crosses that boundary, they can say no and they can change the relationship. Um, and I, I think many times people don't understand. Well, I, I mean, it's fear, right? It's fear of being alone. It's fear of there's so many fears that that drive us. It's fear that keeps people in those relationships mm-hmm. because they, you mentioned unworthy. They they feel unworthy of, of something better. Sure. And and you know the the boundaries. I didn't know what a boundary was till I was 34. I was like, you can say what you need and like your expectations in a relationship, and someone should be respectful of that. Like I had never learned that. That was nothing. I had not learned that growing up. I had not learned that in any relationship I had ever been in. So I I didn't know how to properly use and enforce boundaries. And you know, and just to add to one of the other things you said before is that. You know, I I don't have any anger towards any of the past relationships that I had. I'm at a, I'm at a point in my life now where I can look back and say, you know, I made my mistakes too. I, it doesn't take away that I experienced what I did, but I have I am grateful that I experienced it and moved on. You know, and that's where the, where people I think sometimes get get stuck is that they say, well, you know, like if I forgive my abuser, it makes it okay. No, mm. you forgive them for yourself because you're really forgiving yourself for staying in that situation. For me, I'm at a point of not only have I forgiven, but I'm in a place of gratitude because I would not know or be as appreciative of a wonderful relationship and, and a wonderful partnership with my husband had I not experienced the opposite of that. Had I not seen the darkness, I wouldn't appreciate the light. And I think that sometimes we want everything to be so perfect and wonderful, but we're human. It's not going to be that way. And we can sit in the sadness and anger over our past, or we can take that, learn from it, move on and inspire others to do better and, you know, and do better for ourselves because of it, not in spite of it. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think that our culture has a severe misunderstanding of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person. It has nothing to do with with whether or not they're justified in what they did or that you're letting go of their responsibility for what they did. Forgiveness is absolutely about you and your heart. Mm-hmm. And I I describe it to my clients because they entrepreneurs struggle, right? I, I tell them, if you have a bad relationship in your past, it's going to impact the business decisions that you're making in your business. Mm-hmm. And I basically describe it as if you picture your heart and that bad incident is a rope around your heart and the person that you're not forgiving is holding on to that rope, even though you haven't seen him in 10 years, you haven't done anything with him in 10 years. But every time that thing crosses your mind, they're pulling that rope on your heart and, and you're allowing them to have a piece of control over your emotional state, over the decisions you make and over all those things. And forgiveness is really cutting that cord. 
It's not telling them, hey, it's okay what you did. No, mm -hmm. it's cutting that cord and saying, hey, what you did was totally wrong, but I am no longer going to let it affect me and the choices that I'm making. And mm -hmm. I'm changing the story. I'm telling myself, like you have, those things didn't happen to me. They happened for me. Mm -hmm. And I can use them for my own good in the future. And that and doesn't take others. away their responsibility. Yeah. I mean, and it's the good of others too. I mean, I could have had the experience, like I said, it's me creating my business was a calling. And it was almost like, I, I, I remember in the beginning kind of feeling like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this, you know? And, but I was like, I kept feeling the pull and even writing my book. And now I've written two books and it was like, can I write a book? I don't know. And then I kept getting these messages like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And, you know, I've, I've reconnected so much more to just my, my spiritual self and this, you know, spirituality of following what feels right. And so when I was feeling the call of, all right, Stephanie, it's time to write the book. It was like, I was being tapped on the head, you know, I was like, okay, fine. And then once I finally did it, I was like, it's not, it's not so bad. And you know, the, the business is like, oh, okay, this is, wow. I feel really, invigorated. I feel really good when I do it. And I, and I think one of the great things about doing even what we do is that because we get to inspire other people with like the, the vision of hope that things can get better. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, all these people, you know, because I shared my message, all these other people that didn't think it was possible for them now feel inspired to do something for themselves and like yesterday, we had a former client tell me that she now has a better job making $27,000 more than she was making before, you know, and or people that they're one of our clients who was severely depressed before starting to work with us and came out later on that if it didn't work with us, he might not still be here is, is now like thriving is doing, you know, he's great. He's the happiest he's ever been, you know, and these stories keep going over and over again. And we just get so teary thinking about it. Cause again, if I didn't start sharing what happened, then all of these people that we've been able to help. And we always, we always talk about the ripple effect. You know, if you can just help one person and that person now is helping one other person, then amazing, like uh, think about how amazing that ripple effect is. But now if you're on a, a scale, like we are on the internet, you know, being able to use Facebook, YouTube, like all those different social medias, you can go out there and share your message with so many more people, which makes the ripple effect so much bigger. And that's like, that's what gives us the like excitement for what we get to do. Absolutely. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift, Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at add value, the number two, life.com. Add value to life.com forward slash shift. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. And for me, I'm I'm heartbroken that it's even necessary. Like the title of your book and the title of your, your website, your company is just, I mean, it's obvious, right? I read it and I go, well, duh. <laughs> like, but I know, I know, I mean, I spent 20 years in ministry. I know that humans have a natural propensity for hurting each other. Mm -hmm. And, and typically they hurt the people closest to them with their insecurities and, and, and they'll go to their work and they'll act like a perfectly normal person. And then they, they come home and they take out all of that misdirected frustration and, and anger out on, on the people closest to them. 
And that's heartbreaking to me. Like it's, it's like, gosh. And yet I know that it's so fantastic that you call it a calling, right? That, 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 that you're connected to the spiritual side and you recognize the power, the spiritual power in, in reconnecting people and helping them experience love in the way that it desi it's designed. You know, love, love is the highest, highest level of vibration. And, and when human beings are, are elevated to that level and can experience that, um, obviously it's life changing and of course, relationship changing. And, and so I, I love that you're sharing your journey. I love that, that, that you're doing it together and, and using your mutual experiences and then mutual trainings um, to bring better lives to your clients and, and of course, to the world, right? Through, I mean, a, a huge influence you know, through social media. Well, a big part of what lends coaches like us credibility is having gone through the same struggles that your clients have gone through. Hmm. And really a key aspect, I feel, of our success, both in terms of our relationship and our business, is that we became driven and committed to doing the work we had to do on ourselves, not to necessarily become better, but really more about getting out of our own way. <laughs> and whether it's success in relationships or in business, being an entrepreneur, uh, what I've found and, and what I share as a core principle with the, the clients with whom I work is that <clears throat> what, what I'm calling emotional self-reliance is so powerful. Part of the reason that we struggle in the, this emotional and energetic economy in our relationships and in business is because we feel a sense of lack. And for most people, it seems that we've been taught that the way to fill that need is through getting energy from other people. Now, this isn't to say, of course, that you know any man is an island and, and we shouldn't be in relationships, like we should just be totally self-sufficient. But I think in terms of the non-negotiables, the real needs, the aspects of our lives that are crucial to peace of mind, happiness, passion, and, and all that, they really need to come from within ourselves. And, and in my opinion, that's really where they do come from. Uh, that's, that's the only way that this uh, success can be sustainable. You know, That's why when people haven't done the work on themselves, before getting into a relationship, once that honeymoon period wears off, everything comes crashing down. Mm -hmm. um, so, so for for me and for Stephanie, in terms of um, cultivating the environment for success in our relationships and our business, it's that we did the work to learn to become emotionally self reliant. So our peace of mind, our sense of self worth, our storehouse for energy to do the things that we're passionate about, doesn't rely nearly as much as it used to on the so-called good opinions of other people or, or anything like that. And that's really at the foundation of what we teach. It's how to, to get in touch with your own divinity, your own spark. And we don't you know, frame it in a, you know, a religious or theological context, of course. Um, but it, it really is just about learning that the source of everything you really need to be successful in life and in love is within you. And it's really just about eliminating the obstacles to seeing that for, for what it really is. Mm. So powerful. Obviously uh, I love Bruce Lipton, a huge biology of belief fan. And so how did oh you God. know he was channeling him as he was speaking? You, <laughs> you caught it. I like it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Um, but just that, that idea that we're, we're energy and, and being responsible for our, our own energy first, right? And it's it's just a reminder of even the simple things, right? The the idea that, you know, the serenity prayer, right? Like 
allow me to control the things I can control, you know, let go of the things I can't control, and then the wisdom to know the difference. But so many people aren't willing to do that energy work or, or you know, even, even realize that they have it available. I know that most energy vampires don't even know that they're vampires, right? They don't, they don't realize that they come into a room and they suck the energy out of everybody else. They're not doing it. I mean, obviously it's, it is intentional, but it's unconscious and, and, and it's heartbreaking, right? When you see people that, that are living that way and, and just feeding off of, off of others. Um, but that self-reliance, that idea that I can look into myself and, and I, for me, it's just become a curiosity, right? even aches and pains or, or when you're feeling low, it's, you know, being able to ask the body, ask the mind, all right, tell me what's going on. Right. And, and, and having an incessant curiosity, more and more, I'm finding that curiosity is, is the solution to so many things, not just in my body, in my mind, in my relationship, in my business. (laughs) If, if I'm incessantly curious, I'm, I'm helping more and more people and helping myself at, at an incredible level. If I'm brutally honest, right. If I'm, I'm willing to be honest with my emotions and honest with my, you know, what's what my thoughts are really saying and, and having a relationship with my wife where, you know, nothing's hidden. We don't hide anything. And, and uh, it's, you're able to express emotion and express frustration, express, you know, the good, the bad and, and weird <laughs> without, you know, without, without taking it personally. And, and that's, that's a challenge early on. Right. But her and I've been together for 31 years. So we've, we, we've grown a little through the, through the process, but I'm sure. it's uh, it, those early years. I think you guys are, you guys are through it if you choose to be right. If, if you, you've, you've obviously got some really powerful tools at this point. And once you trust them and you hold on to them and create those boundaries, really great things can happen. Well, and, and, you know, again, I think the, the shared vision, you know, and when we came into the relationship, we were both full people. You know, it's one of the things, you know, talking about Dr. Bruce Lipton, but, you know, you, you got to be two full people. I get so frustrated when people say I'm looking for my other half and I'm like, you're not a half a person. Stop looking for another half a person. You got to be full. And, you know, it doesn't mean there's not always work to be done. There's always lessons to be learned and all of that, but you've got to be full and, you know, having your own stuff, having your own things that you enjoy you know, I know for me, like this morning, I went out for, for a run. I know that for me, if I'm going to be serving from an overflowing cup, I got to take care of me. And as a, as a mom and a wife and a business owner, you know, there's a lot of different hats that I need to wear and a lot of energy that could be used up in different places. So if I'm not good at taking care of myself, eating right, exercising, going to sleep at a decent time or getting enough sleep, you know, all of those things will start to negatively affect my ability to help others. We have to stop thinking that taking care of ourselves is selfish. Mm. And we got to get used to realizing taking care of ourselves is actually selfless because if you don't take care of your body, you know, body, mind, spirit, if you don't take care of that, you're not going to be able to serve at your highest level. So start taking care of yourself. Absolutely. Well, that's the airplane analogy, right? Like there's a reason they tell you to put on your oxygen first, because if you're passed out, you can't put the oxygen on your kid and you both are going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. So the other thing you mentioned is that full, right? Being, being full. And, and so many people get into relationships with the expectation that the partner, the other person is going to make them better or that they're going to change the other person and rescue them. And I mean, so many, you know, and, and for me, it's always been so many relationships are, or they get an example from their parents where marriage is this and we're in competition with each other and we're keeping score and we're doing all these things. 
instead of the commitment to, you mentioned the vision, right? My wife and I have been committed to a journey together and, and it's her and I against the world. And wherever we go, whatever we do, we're doing it together and we're, we're, we're battling side by side for, for the same cause. We've never, we've never been opponents, right? Why the idea that a, a husband and wife would, would be opponents is, is a terrible. And, and of course it divorce and all of these things, lawyers, you know, make them terrible opponents, right? Ripping relationships apart because lawyers build walls and pull everything to each side. Um, but, and I think obviously, you know, people's expectations of what marriage really could or should be isn't based in that, but you've got to be you first. And then, and even if, even if you aren't you yet in your relationship, the first step is to take responsibility for you, grow you. And then guess what? You can grow your relationship. You know, I don't think any relationship is beyond repair, obviously abuse and those things aside, but each individual in the relationship has to be able to own their part. Well, and I think that, you know, for me, I, I learned a great lesson from David when we were first married is the, the vulnerability piece. And that is when I was married to my first husband, I couldn't be vulnerable because mm -hmm. if I shared wants and needs, expectations, anything like that, it was thrown in my face and I was made to feel bad, put down, you know, selfish, whatever. And so I just never felt comfortable being real. And, you know, he would say, well, like, you know, you're different with me than everybody else. Nobody sees the real you like, no, actually you don't get to see the real me because I can't be the real mm -hmm. me in front of you. Wow. And that was, that was really how the relationship was. And, you know, when David and I first getting married, you know, it was just kind of like, you know, I love you for who you are. I love you for all of those things. And to, to really feel that support and to be able to say, Hey, you know, like, you know, I always tell the story is that when we had just had my second child, Sophie, who's now three. Um, and so she, we, I just had her and I was like, you know what? I started talking to my sister who lives in Colorado and she's like, I, I, I sent her a message and said, you know, I think I really want to do a half marathon. I haven't worked out. I'm like, just had a baby. I'm feeling like gross. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, let's do it. We talk about it. We go back and forth. I, I, I think I even made the flight arrangements. Like I just did everything in that conversation. And then I ended the conversation and David was like, did, are you going on a trip with our children to Colorado? And I was like, yeah, I'm going. And then he was like, just do me a favor. I am never going to tell you no, but just tell me what your plans are. And it was or, one or of those, me. One. an important piece. Well, he couldn't come. He was, he was working. So I knew it wasn't going to be a possibility, but you know, it was one of those things where I learned in that moment I had to take for a second. I was like, why did I do that? Why did I make all those plans and not have any conversation with him at all? And I, I realized in that moment that in my past marriage and past relationships, you talk about the baggage you bring in, right? My past relationships, I wouldn't have been allowed to go. There would have been a fight. There would have been a disagreement. And so subconsciously I had been programmed, don't ask, just do it and deal. Cause there's going to be an argument anyway, just do it and deal with the argument later on. And when David said that, he's like, I love, one of the things I love about you is that you're always on the go and you like to travel and do all those things. Just tell me what your plans are. And I was like, you know what, babe, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I, I, you know, I appreciate it. And he's always been good about not keeping the score, you know? So it's not like, well, that was one for me and one for, you know, it's, it's not about who's winning, but it's about really empowering each other to be the best versions of themselves. So when you can feel validated, feel vulnerable in a relationship, then you can really be yourself 
where I think what happens in a lot of relationships, we don't allow the other person to be who they are. And so therefore it just gets, the marriage gets pulled further and further apart because they just can't, they can't be them. Well, especially if one of them's a narcissist, right? Like obviously they're, they're selfish and, and the world revolves around them and the relationship revolves around them and their choices. And, and there are far too many men in, in this world that are living that way and controlling women in that way. And, and which is why your, your business exists. And, and so I'm glad that you're empowering women and freeing them from, from the tyranny of, of, and, and obviously those men for the most part are operating at their highest level, right? Possible. It's just a really, really low level. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, and, and most of them, at least the ones that I, that I know of or have tried to help and until they, until they hit rock bottom or they really make a choice to, to make a change, they, they don't change. Yep. And, and they'll continue that same cycle. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think generally speaking, we all do the best we know how based on our current level of awareness. Absolutely. And, and it's important too, and, and you allude to this, The it comes back partially, I think, to the forgiveness piece, right? A lot of people, a lot of women want to you know, come into our group and some of them are just straight up man haters. And, and look, I get it. I understand. They've been mistreated. But it's, it's not just about breaking the cycle of unhealthy relationships. If someone has a desire to get into a new relationship, they have to be open to possibilities. I have women tell, you know, I see women in the group all the time say, oh, you know, they're no good men anymore. All the good ones are gay or they're taken or, they're all, you know, this and that. And all men are this or all men are that. And look, I, I believe in meeting people where they're at. I'm not here to tell anyone how it is. I have my own lenses of perception. But, you know, I've said to a couple of people before, I said, look, you know, your your perfect guy, the perfect guy for you might be one in a million. But if you believe we're all bad, you're sure as heck never going to find them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and again, it's not about who's right or who's wrong. Sure. Anger, uh, learning how to you know establish and enforce healthy boundaries. That's definitely important at first to to break out of an unhealthy pattern. But it's so important to be open and, again, like you said, curious, you know, compassionate and curious, because if you're going to spend your time telling the universe your story about how things are, you're not going to be open to receiving. And the best things that have come into our lives are not there because we got better at controlling or manipulating situations. So, again, that piece about forgiveness and emotional self-reliance is so important. And it's fundamental to my work, my understanding, not only of, of you know, Dr. Bruce Lipton and the, and the neuroscience things, but the, the quantum physics way of viewing it as well, is that what we receive in life is congruent and uh, related to the energy, the quality of the energy that we put out there. And while people initially feel like, okay, I got to get more knowledge, I got to get more clever, I got to get better at ABC what we the what we really get is like i said related to the energy that we put out there so um and again i knew it early on in our relationship uh with stephanie and i when we were dating and she'll agree 100 percent. if i even showed the slightest inkling of wanting or needing to control her i would have been kicked to the curb faster than i i knew what would happen mm-hmm. but the key for me in getting the kind of relationship i wanted was very simple. It wasn't about trying to come across a certain way. It wasn't trying to be charming or narcissistic or manipulative or anything like that. 
I knew that the woman that I wanted to be with, I, I didn't want her to be with me because I convinced her or forced her. I wanted a woman who was going to choose me. So the opportunity was not to get better at, at controlling. It was more about working on becoming the type of person that my perfect woman would choose freely of her own will. So that's why it's important to try to share that lesson with people and help them break out of this pattern of feeling like they need to control situations in order to get what they want and need and simply become the type of person who naturally attracts the, the, the people and the circumstances to them. You know, it, it's really about deciding what kind of life you want and then reverse engineering the mindset of a person who achieves those things and attracts those things naturally. You know, because when you're in alignment with nature, you'll realize that thriving isn't a struggle. It's more just a matter of aligning with with your true power. So that's uh, that I think is really powerful. Absolutely. So the, the two things you, you've kind of mentioned is that as far as energy, quantum, the quantum world, what we put out is what we get back. And so if you're if you're struggling and and and, and caught in a negative cycle, you know, the choice to put out love and put out gratitude i think gratitude is what helps elevate us into love is really powerful right that's it's a quick that's a quick way to make that emotional shift and the second thing you mentioned is is become the kind of person that attracts the the type of person that you're trying to find um, and helping somebody see the power in that having that vision and, and then putting that out there so that, that it it becomes a natural attraction um, that's so, so powerful. You know, the saying goes, you know, if you love someone, set them free, you know, and, and, and that's just it. Like I said, I didn't want someone who was going to, because we see that in relationships all the time. You know, we, we, we don't experience love. We experience attachment to what felt so good in the past. Mm -hmm. And when people change and we're maybe not getting that same, you know, hit of, of, of happy chemicals, when someone else treats us well, we, we go into, you know, uh, fear and, and protection mode. We go into kind of scrambling to find out, okay, what do I need to do to manipulate the situation so I get that same, you know, emotional high again? And it's just, it's just not sustainable. Um, and it, it's just so much more liberating for me personally, knowing that I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. In fact, if at some point in the future, Stephanie decided not to choose me anymore, I would be willing to let her go. Because for me, love is not about what I can get. Certainly, I mean, that, there's there's that to a, a certain degree. Let's not, you know, be, be silly. But for the most part, it's, it's really about what you can give. And I found that as a, a fundamental spiritual tenet as well. You know, you, you in large part get what you give. Absolutely. You know, and so, um, you know, I, I wanted to be in a relationship where I had the freedom to be myself, flaws and all. You know, I, I wanted to be in a relationship where I can, you know, receive love and, and all the fruits of that. Um, so I had to be willing to give that in abundance. And like we said before, in order to be able to give something of, of it, give of something that you possess in abundance, you got to fill yourself up with that with that first. Yeah, it's even a shame that it has to be set free. Like there's this control element, right? I, you know, obviously my wife and I are married and 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 have a ton of ties together, and yet I know that each of us chooses every day that this is where we want to be. Mm -hmm. You know, in fact, 
I, I'm a firm believer at this point that, that I'm committed to loving her more every day. And, but I've had a commitment for a long, long time. The same as my company name is, is based on is that my job is to encourage her and lift her up and make her a better woman every day. That's, that's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And if I'm doing that, then, then there's no reason she'd ever consider, you know, leaving, right? Because together we're far stronger and far better than, than we would ever be apart. And, but, but it's not, it's never been control, right? It's never been, I don't have a rope around her. I don't have locks on the doors. And, you know, I know that when I go or she goes out the front door that unless something terrible happens, she's coming back, (laughs) you know, she's not taking a suitcase or, um, but I, I think I'm at the point where I would, I would let her go if, if, she felt she had someplace else to go like it, or, and you wouldn't obviously that's not where anybody wants to be but you know it's it to know that you can stand on your own two feet and not try to force someone to be with you i mean that's that's a beautiful thing in and of itself um you know like when when my first marriage ended you know there was he would drive by my house and scare away next boyfriends and i mean it was that he was not letting go at all so there was there was no sense it was control she's mine you know this is my relationship and it you know it was bad it was bad for a little while but now you know if i you know now we work together but before that i would have people come up to me at a a, a business meeting where david was working and they would say oh we finally get to meet you stephanie he talks about you all the time and it was just nice to know, you know, it was again to be on that side, which it really should be if you're in a relationship, but I had not experienced that before, was to walk in already feeling so good because the person that you love the most has already said such wonderful things about mm-hmm. you and vice versa. I would never have to worry that he, like, we got into a fight and or you know, disagreement and he's angry and telling everybody our business at work and, you know, none of those things. It was never drama. It was I'm going to tell everybody how amazing my significant other is, um, you know, both directions because they are, you know, so when you walk into a room, there's just all these positive things coming at you right away. What surprises me when people would throw their spouse under a bus or even make jokes at their spouses can, you know, um, at, you know, the water cooler or, or, or whatever. And, and I have never felt the need to throw my wife under a bus. (laughs) It, no. Just for the sake of a joke or for the sake of even sarcasm, um, you know, my job is absolutely to lift her up and build her up. And that means whether she's in the room or not. <laughs> and so, yeah. Well, that, that, that's the mark of devotion, you know, which is which is a, a important aspect in this kind of relationship. You know, you honor that there's a synergy there and there, there's no there's no point. I mean, pe- people you know, who, who tend to gossip in general. I I think that's a a sign that they've got some unmet emotional needs because when you're whole, you have healthy self-esteem and part of a healthy relationship, there's, there's no inclination to do that. Absolutely. Well, and, and I guess there's just this history, right. Of, of evolution where we've come from so many cultures where women were property and the idea that another human being is property at any level, of course, is, for me is radically offensive and and whether it's whether it's a minority or 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 women that that for me that just doesn't even it doesn't even compute and 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 seeing the consequences of that in you know through families through generational hate through uh 
it just obviously we see signs of it still all the time and and it's a shame because all of us were put on this planet to to serve and help each other and, and i think coaches i think you know couples like you that have have found that calling and are honoring that calling to help make humanity better it is a fantastic thing and so thank you for for choosing to lean into the mess because digging into people's personal lives and trying to help them at that level is, is messy. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's challenging. And yet, obviously you see the reward. And so you're not caught up in the mess and you're not caught up in the drama. You see the, the light and the potential in each of these people and, and in each of the possibilities of their relationships. And, and that's so powerful. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah you. It's, it's very gratifying. And again, so far as you, you get what you give, um, that really drives our our mission and our passion for helping to to heal this illusion of separation, these these divides between us as as people, especially in relationships. Well, and I love that obviously it's a more holistic approach, right? It's not just yes. not just the the psychology or, or behavior. You guys are really helping people, you know, have a vision for a better future and and see how that impacts their spirituality, how that impacts their their mind and their thinking. And then, of course, how that impacts you know their beliefs about themselves and, and each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so good. All right, so I think we still have time for one, two more questions. So, first one is, what was your most memorable date? Oh my gosh, it's been so long since we've been on a date. <laughs> well, I, I maybe, say, that's, maybe that's the issue. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think the one that that comes to my mind is when. Uh, when uh, we went to uh, Cellar Door, that, that uh, yes. restaurant yes. in in uh, in Connecticut, and then I surprised her with tickets to uh, uh, an intimate evening with Modest Yahoo, who's uh, who's a, a great reggae artist, um, and it was just him on on a small stage. We had a, an amazing meal, and uh, and saw a great show at a small venue. Uh, well, and he found a place called Cellar Door, and if uh, we, we like Donnie Darko, and so in Donnie Darko they talk about the cellar door, and so the fact he found a place called Cellar Door, and then we went there, and then went to go see Montesiago, who we both liked. It was it was cool. I was like, wow, this is this is awesome, and so, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a good one. Nice. What what's your big dream? I think for, well, for me, the biggest dream is to be able to kind of be on the road and, you know, take the show on the road, if you will. I love that we can do this from anywhere. And so like in my spare time, I'm looking at RVs. <laughs> so David's like, all right, what RV are we getting? You know, so that's, that's definitely, I want to be able to, to just be more mobile and, and see more of the world. Actually, we're, we're having a retreat in November. Um, so that's starting to, and it's going to be our second retreat. So we're, that's becoming more and more a reality now that COVID's lightening up, at least for now. Seems, um, seems to be. Yeah, seems to be. So, you know, it's just exciting to be able to have just the bigger vision. The, the more people, the more people that we can help, the, the better it is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for, for me, you know, for me, it's, it's building the business, growing the business isn't as much about the money that will be made. It's about the reach that it will have in order to help more people. And so I think that's really just building the business and being able to go on more adventures and, and have more fun and help more people. Oh, so good. Stephanie, David, thank you so much for joining me and having a great conversation, being vulnerable and, and uh, sharing your, your truth. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. Thank you. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you 
at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Monica Graves has been licensed for 23 years in real estate. She's the employing broker for your castle mountain properties. She's been a top producer for the last 10 years, and she's a certified ninja selling instructor.